The following program is underwritten by... Do you have an anxious dog? Maybe one that suffers from travel sickness or is afraid of thunderstorms? If so, you need the Anxiety Wrap from the Company of Animals. The Anxiety Wrap can help comfort your dog from fearful situations. Order yours today at www.companyofanimals.us. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Another incredible show today. Here's the number, one 405 That connects you to Dr. Debbie or dog father Joey Villani. And he can also ask your questions directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's a free download thanks to those folks over at Doctors Fosters and Smith. On the show today, the pet FBI will be here. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I'm a I little... Know. What'd you do, Hal? I, I, are they after me? Are they here for me? I don't know. We'll have to find out. You'll have to wait to find out. Also on today's show, Susan Thixton... And you probably don't know her just by her name. I will tell you, she has a website called thetruthaboutpetfood.com. And she's going to tell you about the crimes and the lies and the truth about pet foods. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. Doesn't that seem like that's always something like always going on? Something with pet food that's just underhanded. Yep. Well, you know, most of these companies, they're owned by one or two companies. I think there's like three or four major players right now <laughs> in the business. They've all consolidated. And it's all about bottom line money. Money. And what they will do and how it will affect your animals. and How to cut costs and make fillers. And all that stuff. And, you know, what you think yeah. is, is healthy may not be healthy. Or what you think is crap may actually be okay. We'll find out more in just a few minutes with her right here on Animal Radio. Lori Brooks, what's happening mm-hmm. over there in the newsroom? Oh, got a great story coming up. A very much loved and treasured family pet is reunited with his humans after two months and 3,700 miles. Oh, I heard about this. You're going to want to stick around for that. But first, your phone calls. Let's go to the phones right now. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Hi, Elise. How are you doing? Okay, how are you? Good. You're calling about a ferret. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, We have a ferret about uh, two years now. Don't know how old he was when we got him. And... uh, all of a sudden, he just looks like a bag of bones. Uh, he seems happy. He bounces around. He eats like uh, everything, but he's scrawny. Very skinny fella, huh? Well, I, Elise, I love ferrets. They're one of my favorite critters to, to see here at the office. So um, I, I just adore them. They're a lot of fun, but they are challenging because they do have some weird things that come up. And um, I know you said everything sounds like it's going along normal, but I'm going to kind of probe a little bit deeper here you said you've had him two years About now what that. is he what what is he eating what kind of food are you feeding usually the marshall's ferret food okay, or any so quality try. ferret food from the uh pet store okay good and as far as when he's running and playing do you ever see any kind of problems with his mobility does he ever seem tired out or weak I don't see him all the time. He uh, He's in my son's room 100%, but whenever I've seen him, he's just bouncing around, happy, just skinny. 
All right. Well, the challenging thing is if I could put my little hands on him right now, there's a couple things that I would be doing. One is in any ferret, but particularly in a younger ferret, if we see them losing weight, we want to feel around and we actually check for the possibility that they might have eaten something that could be causing a problem. And I've seen ferrets eat anything from erasers um, to plastic toys to, gosh, you name it. Um, they are very uh, attracted to some different types of soft, rubbery things. So in a younger ferret that's losing weight, even if they're not even having outward signs, I'm going to look for some kind of foreign object. And in some cases, they can even develop hairballs to the size of an obstruction, and that can uh, affect their food absorption and uh, you know their ability to eat enough for what they, they need. Now, if I'm looking at an older ferret, there's going to be some other things that I would look at, and they are, um, unfortunately, very prone to some different types of aging diseases, some cancers. Um, some weight loss-related issues, I would look at the problem with the pancreas that's called insulinoma. And this is something that I would um, pretty easily check. I would, uh, you know, get him into my office. We would ask him to not eat for maybe four hours, which for a ferret is, you know, a long time because those guys are grazing constantly. Um, but we would check a blood sugar, and that helps to see if we might have a possibility with an insulinoma, which causes low blood sugar readings. And that in ferrets can be something that can cause not only weight loss, but some other signs such as uh, muscle weakness or troubles with the back legs or even some diarrhea. Um, then there's some other types of older diseases, which, you know, not to scare you, but, you know, this is where a good thorough veterinary exam is really important because we also look for types of things like lymphoma, which is a type of a cancer that ferrets somehow just love to get. So those kind of things, I would be putting my fingers on them and feeling and looking, and we might even see about doing, like I said, the blood work or even an x-ray to kind of check those things out. Um, but a skinny ferret is not a healthy ferret, even if on the outside he's telling you that by his actions. So I'd definitely you know, get the little critter checked out and, and see what we can come up with. Okay, so bring him to the vet is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then I would say, you know, be alert to those things as far as his appetite, um, making sure that when you feed him, he eats it. Um, watch his bowel movement so you can give a, you know, a kind of educated report as far as like in the last week, this is what he's been doing in his poops. Here's a fresh sample of the poop so the veterinarian can see that. And then, um, that, that may help kind of steer the conversation. And then, um, you know, just be prepared. You know, I'd, uh, read up a little bit about the insulinoma and the lymphoma because those are really big ferret issues that we do see in the older categories and uh, you know be armed with information that is the best thing I can tell you because ferrets they are a lot of fun but they do kind of have their little eccentricities when it comes to health things um, but I got to say they are the the best to, to watch uh, you probably enjoy watching the antics uh, I imagine they're a riot they're hysterical but uh, you know <laughs> I love all the animals we have dogs we have a cat we have the ferret you know we're just uh, you know the zoo of Pennsylvania <laughs> well, that's what we love. People who love animals. So thank you so much for your call, Elise. Give us a call thank here at Animal much. Radio, 1-866-405-8405. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? Hey, how is everybody out there? Very good. Where good. are you? Uh, in Clearwater, Florida. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just soaking it in. <laughs> the beach uh, vision is going through our heads right now. <laughs> what can I help you with, Steve? Uh, I have a six-year-old English male bulldog who has a, uh, I think it's um, pronounced a royal hematoma, uh, also known as pillow ear. 
Are you familiar with that problem? I sure am. And just for those that maybe can't hear real clearly, oral hematoma, it's spelled A-U-R-A-L, and it basically means um, swelling of the ear. Yes. And um, the research I've done online, uh, there's no uh, real definitive uh, method of treatment um, other than do nothing, um, drain it, or uh, lance it and suture it so it it doesn't um, reoccur as readily as um, the other two um, uh, methods. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, a bulldog having uh, an airway, uh, well, not a breathing problem, but the the airways might be a little bit unique. Uh, The thing I'm worried about if he goes for surgery is, you know, the anesthesia uh, Mm -hmm. and and coming out of it and, and, you know, the breathing uh, associated with... um, uh, you know, going into surgery. What, what's your opinion on an English bulldog? Okay. Well, I guess uh, I'm going to back up a little bit and, and talk about what causes some oral hematomas because in some cases we really don't know what causes it, but often it's it's directly related to either an ear infection or some really bad, say, scratching allergy-type problems, something that causes the pet to repeatedly scratch at the ear, and then it causes the small capillaries in the ear flap to rupture. And what happens is that blood builds up between the cartilage flaps in the ear and the skin, and you basically get a squishy pillow, and that's where the term pillow ear comes from. Now, if we have a problem such as a bad ear condition, ear infections, we have bad skin disease and allergies, Um, the first thing that I will always tell people if this happens to your dog is that we need to address those underlying issues or we're not going to get anywhere. Um, We can do surgery and it'll fail if we don't address these other issues because that underlying itch, the underlying cause is still going to be there. Now, surgery is historically the way that most folks treat oral hematomas where we go in and we drain this basically blood blister in the ear and we suture the ear and there's a lot of different techniques to to do that but the the basic concept is we suture the ear so it keeps those flap on the ear nice and tight and firm so we don't get fluid rebuilding in that pocket that is between the skin and the cartilage and that can be very successful for pets and usually within two weeks that uh, suture can be removed and they heal up wonderfully but again, if we don't address these other underlying things, and I am definitely not a fan of going to surgery uh, without addressing those things. So I don't know if that's anything for your pet, Steve, if you're having any other kind of skin-related issues. Well, uh, bulldogs in general um, uh, have sensitive skin. It, it might be, um, it, it's not ear mites or anything in the ear canal, because um, we do clean his ears out on a weekly basis. and. We brought him to the vet, and he checked his ears, and ears are clean. It's, it's you know, just by shaking their head uh, can rupture those blood vessels, apparently. You know, if they, Absolutely. they snap it, snap it uh, a little bit too hard. So um, the underlying cause, you know, if you can get the dog to stop shaking its head for whatever reason, even though it might not be uh, related to anything in his ear, have they identified that it is an isolated case of a hematoma? They don't know why it's happened, or are they saying yes? It's probably because he's got skin problems because he's a bulldog, and they all have some degree of allergies. So, for your pet, have they just determined that? Well, um, we put him back on um, his um, allergy medications, which are nothing more than um, uh, antihistamines, basically, 
mm-hmm. you know, to stop any skin itch uh, that might be causing him to, you know, either um, shake his head or or scratch uh, if he gets a hot spot or something like that. You know, okay. again, um, the, the the concern is um, anesthesia uh, sure. and the air and play. And actually, for bulldogs, I mean, they definitely have a lot of different components of problems with their airway. Um, while they're under anesthesia, that's not so much the concern because there's a tube that's in the airway holding that open, making sure we've got clear ox- oxygen flow. So that's probably the best breathing he's ever going to do is having that in there. Um, it's all that upper airway problem that they normally have where they have the long, soft palate. Um, they have the nose that's kind of narrowed, and they have something called saccules that kind of evert and stick into the airway. And then they have a very small trachea. So all those things can make a, a bulldog's breathing difficult. Um, if your vet- veterinarian is comfortable with the anesthesia of a bulldog um, and they don't have any adverse concerns with things, then I, I'm not a- opposed to doing surgery on a bulldog. I'm aware of those things. Um, veterinarians are trained how to deal with that. So th- that I wouldn't be so worried about. I just want to make sure that surgery is the right choice for your pet because in some cases, if um, surgery is not the right choice and there's not a clear ear infection that's causing it or I can't find a direct reason a lot of times I am actually of the type where I will use a different protocol than surgery and I'll use high dose steroids um, to decrease the swelling and in some cases I've had wonderful success where the pet has a very cosmetic healing of the ear and it turns around and looks wonderful and we never actually have to take a scalpel blade to the pet Okay, good. I appreciate that advice thanks for taking okay. the time to talk with me All right, my pleasure. Well, this Healthy Helping of Animal Radio is brought to you by World's Best Cat Litter. You know you love your cat. Yeah, you're looking down at the radio. Yes, you you love your cat. It's a little kitschy-kitschy. But you hate buying cat litter. You can try the concentrated power of World's Best Cat Litter. Even a small bag lasts 30 days. I found mine at Target. I found mine at Walmart. And it says here I can find some at my local grocery store. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Did you know canine caviar diets are formulated with common health concerns in mind, such as diabetes, cancer, and kidney disease? You see, canine caviar uses low GI carbs, which reduce hunger and prolong physical endurance. Free of GMO, gluten, hormones, steroids, and antibiotics, Canine Caviar's five-star dog and cat foods are the only alkaline-based foods in the world, and that promotes a healthy lifestyle for your furry family. Find out more at caninecaviar.com. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again, the one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places, too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido Friendly Magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. Do you have an anxious dog? Maybe one that suffers from travel sickness or is afraid of thunderstorms? If so, you need the Anxiety Wrap from the Company of Animals. The Anxiety Wrap can help comfort your dog from fear of thunderstorms, fireworks, separation anxiety, nervousness, and much, much more. The Anxiety Wrap maintains a gentle pressure on acupressure points in your dog's neck, chest, shoulders, belly, and in the rear legs thanks to its patented leg straps. Order yours today at www.companyofanimals.us. 
Stella and Chewy's believes that selecting the best food is one of the most important decisions an owner can make for their pet. They believe that pets thrive when they're fed the same diet they'd get in the wild. Dogs and cats are carnivores, and meal mixers are a quick and convenient way to mix a little raw nutrition and great taste into their diet. Made from premium raw ingredients like grass-fed meat and cage-free poultry with organic fruits and vegetables. Meal mixers help kickstart your kibble. Learn more at StellaAndChewies.com. Hi, this is John O'Hurley. You're listening to Animal Radio. And remember, most importantly, please spay or neuter. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. We're just moments away from the pet FBI. Apparently, they're not here to see me, but uh, they will have some information for you. Very, very important. That's just around the corner right here on Animal Radio. We're going to go to the phones in just a second. Toll free at 1-866-405-8405. Lori, what are you working on for this hour? Well, I think kids and pets are just a, a great pairing. You know, you see a picture of a kid and uh, their pet together. It's always so cute. And now this makes them equally cute. What's what's better? There's this survey out in Spain where they did this survey and they asked children about everything about their pets, about how much they love their pets. What would they do for their pets? What would they give up for their pets? And it's pretty darn cute. I'm going to share all their answers with you. Oh, I can't wait for that. It's really cute. Out of the mouths of babes. (laughs) Yeah. Let's hit the phones. And uh, let's go to Neil. Hey, Neil, how are you doing? Okay, I've got a three-year-old female Doberman Pinscher. And uh, when she was two years old, we had her fixed. And uh, ever since she got fixed, or ever since we got her fixed, she has had trouble holding her urine. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever she whenever she lays down and goes to sleep, when she gets into a deep sleep, she just leaks all over her badminton. You can tell that in her face, she knows, hey, I've, I've done something bad, and oh, God, and you know the deal. It's She's like, embarrassed. Like a, <laughs> you know, it's like catching a little kid that just wet the bed and don't want to tell you about it. She's feels so guilty but of course you can't scold her because it's an accident exactly you know what yeah. i mean okay. so um i took her back to the vet we she goes to the vet all the time you know uh and the doctor uh, our veterinarian is give us uh this medication it's very expensive and i can't remember the name of it but uh they're supposed to give her the uh, pill in the morning when she eats and a pill Around noon, of course, we we uh, don't give her a lot of water. Okay, now whenever she goes outside, she'll whenever she needs to go outside, she'll smack the cowbell. We'll take her outside, and uh, her urine is a, is very dark, and you can smell it. Okay, alrighty. So, how is now? Is she still on this medicine, and, and is it helping her? Yes and no. Uh, it is helping her not wet the bed, but it's. I mean, it's like uh, it's, it's it's we're spending a lot of money masking a problem. Okay, you know, 
Okay. Well, a couple things from what you're saying. Um, now, the first thing that we'll just want to go over is that the female dogs can definitely develop some incontinence issues. And it basically is most common when we, we hear stories of dogs that are sleeping or they're um, coming from a lying position and they get up and then they, you find a puddle of urine. So for that in a female dog, yes, most often they are spayed. So for some dogs, it can actually be related to an estrogen deficiency. In other dogs, it's just a matter of the urethral sphincter and it's just not working well. So there are some great options options to help pets that have this. Now, if you're looking for a fix for it, you got it, and it's probably going to be a pill. Um, as far as there are some more, in, I don't want to say invasive, but some more corrective things, but they're usually involving putting collagen in the bladder and injections, and it's, it's really not something we recommend for the average pet. Um, for most yeah. dogs that have this, they can be well-controlled with medications. Um, now, I'm not sure which one your um, pet is on, but there is um, a couple different ones we can choose from. One is called phenylpropylene also known as PPA, and it's usually given two to three times a day, um, and it helps to improve the, the tone in the urinary sphincter. And for a lot of dogs, that may be all they need to control their symptoms. For other okay. dogs, that may not do enough, and um, we may go into more of an estrogen compound. And those may be given typically only maybe once or twice a week because there's you know, uh, definitely good and bad with all these medicines. Um, I can yeah. tell you, my own female dog, um, 13 and a half year old gal, she has urinary incontinence and she's had it since an early age. Um, yeah, she was did, a ri- did it just happen overnight? It can, yeah, it definitely can. Um, the big question is, and, and granted, I don't know all the details of your pet's health, but when we do diagnose this type of problem, we want to make sure we're not missing something else because there's a lot of other reasons that can cause a dog to produce a lot of urine and not be able to hold it. And I've actually found uh, a high amount of dogs that start doing this kind of urine leakage. We may treat them with a urinary incontinence medicine, but we're not really maybe always catching the real problem. And I found that some right. dogs are actually developing they have a kidney problem, a liver problem, or some other disorder, and it just makes them drink more, and they can't hold their urine. So if we just treat for the trying to make them hold their urine, we're not really getting to the heart of things. So if your vet hasn't done a full blood panel, I would recommend that. The other thing, and it kind of concerns me when you say your dog's urine is dark and that you're restricting urine. We should never restrict urine. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's weird. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we should never she rest- hits that cowbell, believe me, we go up. She goes right outside. Okay. okay. What I meant to say okay. is we never want to restrict water for a dog that has um, an excessive thirst. There could be a lot of negatives with that. So um, now I know. I'm not I know. maybe right I, before just, bedtime. Uh, but we have to, we have to really watch the toilet seat. <laughs> yeah, oh, sure. in there and get a drink out of the toilet. Hey folks, this is Jackson Galaxy. You're listening to Animal Radio. Please do everyone a favor, spay or neuter your animals today. This is an Animal Radio News Update, brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy, with prescription medications and over-the-counter products like Advantix Flea and Tick Medication, delivered right to your door. Learn more at fosterandsmith.com.
I'm Lori Brooks. What is better than kids and their pets? That just is a cozy picture, isn't it? Well, a study by the Affinity Foundation on the emotional ties between children and pets that live in Spain has shown that 6 in 10 kids say they believe spending time with animals helps them learn to love and respect people more. And 9 out of 10 kids say they would be happy to give up part of their time in order to look after their cat or dog. Also in this study... Eight in ten kids say they would be prepared to give their toys to their family pet. And 94% of those children say they feel happier when they are in the company of their animals. Nine in ten also said they would rather have a pet than new toys or other material belongings. And 94% said when asked if animals had feelings or emotions, they believed they did. And Moosey, did you hear this story? A two-year-old gray tabby cat. His name is Moosey, has been reunited with his family after he incredibly survived a two-month-long journey while trapped inside of a mattress when his owners moved from Texas to Alaska. A moving company left with the military family's belongings while the family stayed behind in Texas and spent, they say, about three more days there searching for Moosey, who had disappeared. Turns out that Moosey was already en route with their belongings to Alaska inside a futon mattress inside the moving truck. Well, the couple was reunited with the cat when the family's belongings finally arrived in Alaska, and the movers unwrapped the mattress, carried it upstairs, and what do you know, there's Moosey. Wow. They rushed him to a vet where he was rehydrated and received a blood transfusion. A blood transfusion. Moosey's human mom says it's a long road to recovery for Moosey, but they are really looking forward to having him back and getting him nice and healthy again. Good luck to them. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy. With everyday low prices on products like Quellin and Rimadil delivered right to your door with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Learn more at FosterAndSmith.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Supplies have a vet VIPPS accredited online pharmacy covering all your pet's needs from heartworm medications and anti-inflammatories like Rimadil to non-prescription items like canine Advantix flea and tick preventive. Doctors Foster and Smith has your pet covered. We'll even contact your vet for you, all with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Low prices every day with free shipping on orders over $49. Shop online at fosterandsmith.com because your pet's health and happiness come first. Did you know canine caviar diets are formulated with common health concerns in mind, such as diabetes, cancer, and kidney disease? You see, canine caviar uses low GI carbs, which reduce hunger and prolong physical endurance. Free of GMO, gluten, hormones, steroids, and antibiotics, Canine Caviar's five-star dog and cat foods are the only alkaline-based foods in the world, and that promotes a healthy lifestyle for your furry family. Find out more at CanineCaviar.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Animal Radio. Celebrating our connection with your pets toll free. 1 866 405 8405 for Dr. Debbie, Dog Father Joey Volani, 
Judy, the uh, the stu- studio stunt person, is <laughs> wait a minute answering phones there and dancing away. Let's see. Oh, this is is she there? Oh, this is cool. Let, let's head on over to her right now. Uh, Marissa Finelli is joining us from the Pet FBI. Which Ooh, stands that sounds so intriguing. It does. It stands for Pets Found by Internet. Oh. She's utilizing the Internet for good, believe that or not. So and she's like a real-life Ace Ventura? She is. Marissa, welcome to the show. Thank you. How are yes. you doing today? Very well. I'm, I'm delighted to have this opportunity to tell people about Pet FBI. Well, now you started this in 1998. Yeah, it was probably wow. one of the first lost and found Internet databases. Really? And it was just in Ohio, correct? Yeah, well, we felt that actually it started out just for Columbus because I felt we really had to be intensive in order to get matches. And at that time, not everybody had computers the way they do today. It was designed originally for shelters to use, but they're very slow in changing their ways. Sure. (laughs) So what's the story? This must have been personal for you. Yeah, well, I had... The most traumatic experience of my childhood was when my pet parakeet flew away. I never got over that, and I swore I'd never have a pet again. It was so painful. And then when I was married, my husband, who was a cat person, insisted that we get some cats, and the rest is history. We've had many cats over the years, and every now and then, one of them, despite all the precautions, there's Mm -hmm. always one that slips away. There's one that got out the door, and um, as recently as... As you know, about the time I started, um, we we lost we lost a cat, and uh, I mean, you know, it it went off, and um, I called the shelter, and I had this naive assumption that all I had to say was, "Well, has anybody found a tabby in such and such a neighborhood?" <laughs> it doesn't work that way. No, you've got to go in. Yeah. Well, the shelter's on the other side of town. Not so easy to go in, and they're only open certain hours, and. And then I started thinking, well, what if somebody, you know, works full time and they can't get there? And and what if they st- give up after a while and then the, the pet shows up after, mm-hmm. you know, they've they've given up? And then those that pet's odds are pretty slim, especially if it's a cat. So I'm assuming um, you have cats and dogs. Do you have other animals that people post? Oh, yeah. No, we've had... <laughs> uh, it was set up originally to cover the full range of, of animals, including reptiles, uh, birds, ferrets, small mammals of all kinds, and then we have an other category, and we've even had a few barnyard animals reported missing horses and a goat and <laughs> that kind of thing. So are we nationwide now? Absolutely, yeah. All, uh, the database is searchable by zip, any zip code in the entire United States, also Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. You can search it by radius, and it's very flexible. You can go one mile, Two miles, three miles, you pick your radius. And uh, so that allow, allows people to um, cast a net as narrow or as wide as they think is necessary. Do you mm. have any heartwarming stories of people being reunited or, or one of your most strangest stories? Well, you want to hear about a tortoise? <laughs> most definitely. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't think a tortoise could go far, but this was an African sulcata tortoise. I, th- I think that's the name of it. It's a, a, a big beast. And... Uh, um, it, it, it was found a mile away from where it got lost. I guess the people let it out in the yard, and it found its way through the fence somehow. And uh, somebody found it by the side of the road a mile away. Well, they knew it wasn't, you know, a local, you know, animal. It wasn't your garden variety type turtle. So they took it to a pet shop quite far away, 
uh, several counties away. And the pet shop fortunately knew about Pet FBI, and they checked our database, and the people who had lost the tortoise had posted it, so the tortoise got back home. (laughs) And uh, another case, uh, it was actually a a TV news reporter. Uh, She was out in her garden, and this bird alighted on her shoulder, and uh, she happened to know about Pet FBI, and she came in, checked her database, and checked our database, and sure enough, somebody had reported the bird is missing. Because uh, birds can go far. Yeah, and we've had pets get back after nine months. That was that was the wow. that was the maximum. Mm. Well, very very cool, awesome. and it's a great use of the technology. I've seen a few of these around, but I can most definitely say you were if you started this in 1998, you were a pioneer in this area. And uh, so I'm going to encourage listeners to check out petfbi.org for people who who lose a pet. Um, first, you should be proactive. Um, about one in four pets are lost at some time during their lifetime. So it's of, and almost everybody's had the experience of finding a stray. You should have ID on your pet, either a microchip or a collar with a, a tag. You should have a good picture because that's really important in helping to recover your pet. And really you should spay or neuter your pet because, you know, if there weren't so many unwanted animals in the shelters, it would be much easier to trace a lost pet shelters would be able to hold on to the pets longer and last but not least don't give up right away don't give up too soon amen uh, yeah most most recoveries take place within a month but it's not at all unusual for people to find their pets after several months and sometimes in the newspaper you read about these spectacular cases where even after a few years they, they get them yeah. back oh we just just reported on one last week in yeah, fact with uh, the microchip. across the country you know, for cat owners, the first time I lost my cat, I was, like, searching all over the neighborhood. But you know what? They're just probably in the bush very nearby the house. They, they like that, those... That's absolutely true with cats. They, they tend not to go far, especially inside cats that slip out. They get terrified. They hide. Marissa, thanks so much for hanging with us today. Well, thank you for, for letting me talk, tell people about Pet FBI. We hope they find it useful. I mean, we hope they don't need it, but <laughs> we do. We hope they find it useful. You're doing great work. Thank you so much for joining us. PetFBI.org. PetFBI.org, of course, links to everything you put on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. The fine folks over at Pet Playgrounds have underwritten this hour of Animal Radio, and they're the makers of the safest and most reliable real dog fencing system in the world. You see, Pet Playgrounds is a real fence, not an electric fence, offering real climb, dig, and chew protection for any breed. Use the code ANIMALRADIO at checkout, and you'll save 10%. And you can always learn more over at PetPlaygrounds.com. Hi, Jim. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. I'm, uh, I've got a mix. It's a like a dachshund poodle mix. And sometimes when we, or well, no, most of the time when we let her out, it seems like she doesn't want to come in. We'll call her. We'll, we'll try to entice her to come in. And she'll just sit there and look at us. Okay. <laughs> what do you do then when she's doing this? Well, a lot of, we've got two dogs, and sometimes we'll let the little dog out, and she'll run around him, and then they'll both come back in. But for some okay. reason, it's like she needs a special invitation or something. And, and do you ever go out and actually have to physically bring her in? We've done that before, yeah. Does she let you pick her up, or does she try to run away from you? She'll usually let us pick her up. 
Well, you know, partly she may want an invitation, but the other part of this is that I would say is that she really needs to have a little more direction. For some dogs, just letting them out to do their business and come back in is great because they kind of get the whole system down. She may like it out there. She may be having a good time. For her, the motivation to stay outside sounds great. So why do we want to go inside? Just like those little kids playing in the alleyway, you know, they're playing kick the can. They don't want to come in. So we need to just kind of be that kind of hand that reaches out. And and this may mean that you need to take her out on a leash and actually take her out to do her biz and bring her back in and set that pattern and using your voice commands, you know, in the house, come, whatever voice commands that you have taught her so far uh, when you're doing leash training and help to reassert that. When you go outside and we're done, if you're done with your business, we're going back inside. Um, and that's different than if you've left her outside and she's outside playing for the afternoon and then all of a sudden you want her in because for some dogs, unless you have that direct hand on them, and a leash is equivalent to the hand. So if you have yeah. that leash on her, you can bring her in. It's kind of like the long arm of the law, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but otherwise, if she's not reacting uh, aggressively, negatively, uh, you know, other than just kind of having her stare at you perplexingly, uh, you know, I don't see any harm in that behavior other than, you know, it could set up for a dog that chooses to do her own uh, will, if you will. <laughs> yeah, she is like that, but she's a very smart dog. That's why I don't understand why we can't train her to to come in the house when we want her to. She's got your number. We need to have a better control on the situation where we can direct her behaviors and tell her, come inside and then make that actually happen in a physical way, not yanking her by the scruff or kicking her or doing anything crazy like that. Radio. Coming up next hour, Susan Thixton will be joining us. She's created the website truthaboutpetfood.com. She's written a book called Buyer Beware, The Crimes and the Lies and the Truth About Pet Food. And let me tell you, there's some things you need to know next time you go looking for pet food. And you'll find out today right here on Animal Radio. Dr. Debbie's here to answer your calls, along with Joey Villani, toll free at 1-866-405-8405. Uh, as soon as we're done here, we're going to get on out of here because it's a beautiful day. Take the dogs down to the beach. Where? Oh. Uh, what? Well, you, you have to be careful. You okay. know, this is a this is the time of the year we really need to talk about. I I love the beach. Take my dog there, and we enjoy it. But you can actually have a dog overdo it in the ocean and drink too much salt water. Oh, what do you mean? Um, Ooh, I want to hear about. They this. like to drink it. Well, they yeah. It, well, especially if they're excited, running around, they they don't know the difference in, initially. So basically, what they'll develop is a salt water toxicity or salt poisoning, and it causes a very high increase in. In the sodium level in the body, and basically it dehydrates them and leads to brain-related symptoms. Um, so like a, a dog that eats um, or drinks a lot of salt water might just have uh, vomiting and diarrhea, but it can uh, get more severe where they'll actually start having trouble walking, they'll be wobbly, uh, they could develop seizures, become very depressed, and these type of symptoms come on pretty quickly, so usually within 30 to 60 minutes. And um, So if you are going to the beach with your dog, 
um, it is advised to make sure you take good water sources, um, bowls that are familiar to them, um, ample fresh water, and you want to stop their playtime and their exercise just so that you can take them aside into the shade and make sure that they are drinking clear, fresh water. Did you have a client that came in? Well, I, I didn't have one, but she was um, she had a friend who did, and she was going to visit them over in some of the dog beach areas, and she was really concerned because she didn't want her goofy lab to do the same thing. And um, it's part of the thing. You know, dogs are running. They're having a great time. And if if they're like a dog from my area where they're used to drinking lake water, they may not know the difference initially, and they can get into a bad place. So um, it is something very serious. So if it happens, you need to get your dog to the veterinarian right away. This is something you cannot treat. Um, it does take very delicate balance of intravenous fluids to manage it, um, monitoring electrolytes, and we do a very gradual decrease in the sodium levels. Um, so, yeah, so something to be aware of and just make sure, just like a kid at the beach, you want to make sure you take that break get the shade um kind of look up look out for them out there okay didn't know that i know yeah. ladybug she used to yeah neither did i my dogs run away from the beach i was gonna say ladybug stand <laughs> and, and, and they run they run to the sidewalk oh see ladybug just runs from the waves she'll walk along the sand but she the doesn't run go. into the water no she runs away huh most dogs run into the water she won't even water. get her She's bait she won't even get her feet wet <laughs> i think joey's right about that <laughs> hey deb how you doing how are you? Good. Where are you today? Uh, New Jersey. I'm at home. In Jersey. How can we help you? Um, I have two miniature schnauzers, and one of them is a white schnauzer, about eight years old, and she licks her paws constantly, and she's mm-hmm. got brown paws because of it. And is it just her paws that she's licking at, or are there other areas? No, no, just her paws. And I'd imagine she probably has that nice, lovely kind of reddish-brown kind of stain to that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And we see that so much in dogs. And uh, typically when we see paw licking, um, you will see that kind of staining of the fur, especially if it's a white-coated dog or a light in color. And that's from a pigment in their saliva. And it's called porphyrin, and it causes a brown staining. Um, so you wouldn't believe how many times I hear people say there's blood all over their feet, and it's actually that pigment that they're seeing. Yeah. So when that is happening, the first one thing we go looking for, beyond broken toenails or any kind of injuries in between the toes, is we really look at things like allergies. And Sorry. white schnauzers, oh, I sympathize with you, because they can have their share of skin problems. And looking at the paws is just part of that. Um, as far as allergy-wise, could be allergies to things in the air, can be food. So there's a lot of different directions we might go with this baby. Do you have her on any kind of uh, medications? Have you tried anything yeah. so far? Yeah, so far we've changed her food a few times. Now she's on medicine, but that doesn't seem to be helping. Um, okay. She's also on two five milligram uh, pills of prednisone every other day, and oh, I don't wow. think it's working. I don't think it's working. But then when I stop, it, it seems like it was working. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Alrighty. And that's that's about all we've tried so far. Okay. Now, at any point, have we done any kind of sampling from her toe areas, from her feet? Uh, has, has your veterinarian no. looked at that to see if there's any infections there? Yes, the vet, the vet has looked several times. We've brought her in maybe a half a dozen times over the two years we've had her. 
Well, uh, as far as if we're dealing with just a presumed diagnosis of allergies, then there's a lot of different ways we can go here. I personally always like to get some sampling from the area because if we have any kind of yeast infection or bacterial infection on top of things, um, you know, even prednisone isn't going to be enough to tackle that. Um, okay. But some of the better allergy therapies we can try, you know, if you're really interested in this, we can get into things like allergy testing and getting a pet on allergy shots to help prevent some of the signs of the itching, the licking, the chewing, all of that. Um, there's also a wonderful medicine called cyclosporin that I use for a lot of dogs that have chronic problems, especially when prednisone doesn't do enough. Um, so that might be an option that we can get at. All of those different directions and then a good fatty acid supplement into the food. Um, and then the venison diet that you're using, I'm assuming you're not using other treats or snacks or goodies along with that. I, I wasn't for like the past year, and then we just bought some milk bones. Okay, because you know which, what that does then, right? No, I don't. If we're on a special diet, a diet that you're spending extra money on, and you give treats or you give snacks or table food or anything, you're just flushing all that money down the toilet because a, a hypoallergenic diet does no good if we still have other foodstuffs in the diet that can interfere with that. So um, if we really want to be sincere about giving it a good effort on that venison-based diet, you need to eliminate all those other things. That's like going to um, uh, to uh, like Burger King and ordering the, the big biggest burger they had and then getting a Diet Coke, right? I mean, it just... Hey, I'd do that. <laughs> We wish you the best of luck, Deb. Well, thank you very much for your help. I appreciate it. This portion of Animal Radio is brought to you by the fine folks over at Company of Animals. You know it's important to handle any pet behavioral issues with love and care rather than pain or punishment. That's why our good buddy, Dr. Roger Mugford from the Company of Animals, created the Pet Corrector. This little can of awesomeness allows you to safely change unwanted behaviors in a dog, like, you know, excessive barking with a simple little... Oh, whoa. Dogs all over America looking at their radio. <laughs> I have people, too. We love these guys over at www.companyofanimals.us. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. At this hour, Susan Thixton will be joining us, the creator of thetruthaboutpetfood.com. She's going to tell you about the crimes and the lies and the truth about pet food companies. They, they're making a lot of money and they, uh, they're lying they're to you. Lying they're to lying. Us. Those dun, darn dun, liars. Dun, 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 uh, yeah. Hi, Shelba. You? Good. What's going on in your part of the world? My animals have got whipworm. Whipworm. What is yeah, that, doctor? I've got 39 cats and 17 dogs, and everybody's throwing up and diarrhea. I took a couple to the vet. They had a bad case of whipworms. The medicine cost over $300. I've been giving it to them, and all they do is puke now and diarrhea. Oh, no. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, whipworms, and, and how you asked what they are. They're, they're basically a parasite um, that just kind of lives in the lower bowel and can cause um, uh, diarrhea, it can cause cramping, pain. Um, some dogs and cats will even have uh, low red blood cell counts. They may Whoa. be anemic or have protein losses from them. So, yeah, they can be actually, you know, a, a bad parasite, and they're very tough to get rid of. So they're you're contagious, having, right? A, 
Well, in contagious, but these little suckers, they pass an egg, and the eggs live in the environment. Or I shouldn't say they live. They can sit in the environment for very long periods of time, yeah. and they're very resistant. And that's the big problem. So I don't know. Is this a new problem for you, Shelba, or is, has that been yeah, ongoing? Yeah, it is. When I, when I left California, my animals were all fine. I run a rescue league, and I just save animals, and everybody's been fine. I had everybody checked before I left. It shots and everything. And now I come into this. Yeah, I got down here, and now all the kids are sick and diarrhea, and then the doctor says they got whipworm. My little chihuahua was ripped up by a stray dog. He lived, oh, but it cost me $2,000 to rip the stomach and everything out of him. Oh, my goodness. Well, he's lucky to be with you there at this point. So as far as in dealing with things like whipworms, uh, now, you're in a pretty unique situation there with that many critters. So um, you may have to really modify and kind of work with your veterinarian as far as with what is going to work on your end. But for the average person with one or two pets or a few animals, basically, uh, with dogs, what I recommend is to make sure that they are on a monthly heartworm preventative and that also, um, there are several types that also take care of controlling for whipworms on a monthly basis. And one of the, one that I can easily recommend is the Advantage Multi, and it's actually a spot-on product. But we realize we are not going to get rid of the whipworms. We're going to try to control them. And right. um, that is being totally realistic with our expectations. And a lot of folks that have these recurrent problems, I will set the pet up on a um, also an oral deworming protocol every three months. So we treat with it a different type of dewormer, and we do that every three months, no matter what, no matter if the pets are healthy or if they are not showing any signs of any problems. Okay. Um, so it, it is a really tough strategy. I've had people ask me, what can I do to get rid of them in my yard? And, uh, you know, you can take a flamethrower to your yard, and you'll probably still have these critters kind of laying around there just waiting to um, uh, develop into the actual uh, uh, in- infective forms and so forth. So, yeah. Right. It is a battle. Uh, that is very expensive, isn't it? <laughs> it? It can be, you know, when you're when you're talking, you know, what do you have? You know, fifty some animals. It definitely yeah, that can add up. Yeah, twenty seven cats and twenty nine dogs and nine birds and oh, and a six ten foot iguana. Yeah, wow. and you know, iguana won't get it, really. What's that? Will the iguana get the whipworms too? You think? For the birds? Actually. Potentially, but birds because... haven't been doing good either. The water here is terrible. There's rust in it. Oh dear. And I think oh, that's gosh. where they got it from because they didn't have nothing when we got here. Uh, it yeah. Well, I mean, the water would be one source, but this is something that's totally environmental. So um, it could be from previous pets that have resided in that area, from wild dogs that have walked through and defecated in the area. So so it's probably going to be very hard to impossible to say where it actually started from. So I wouldn't bog yourself down with that. Um, now, the other things we might look at, when we're, especially when we're dealing with a larger population or a population of young dogs and kittens, um, would be to try probiotics, things that can help stimulate a healthy immune response, and that can be very helpful um, when we're dealing with some of the chronic parasite infections, Um, and those can be, talk to your veterinarian, there's a lot of different products out there, powders, um, some different gels or liquids, and that basically just kind of helps improve the pet's immune system. Uh, We know that the the GI system is basically where a lot of the different uh, immune receptors are, so we want to try to keep that as healthy as possible, and it'll 
hopefully translate into um, helping equip them for that battle against those critters. So um, my my best wishes go out to you there because um, you do have a daunting task. And, you know, I know you're doing a rescue, but sometimes even uh, closing the population to incoming pets and trying to make sure we deal with everyone who's in there and try to deal with them and maybe even thin out the herd a little bit once you get them placed into homes or adopted. Um, that social uh, stress can also help with some of these problems. So. My Shella, best wishes to you. All of our blessings for you. one 405 8405 to connect with any one of the Dream Team here at Animal Radio. Hey, Jesse, what's going on with your cat? Um, she's uh, about two and a half years old. Last Friday, she started throwing up in the middle of the night. And it was, well, looked like just partially digested food. Um, went on till... Monday, and I went ahead and took her to the vet there in town. The vet did a feces test and felt around on her and everything and said, well, I can't really find anything that's wrong. She gave her um, an antibiotic shot and a anti-nausea shot. Okay. Sent me home with some antibiotics uh, in liquid form, told me to mix it up with her food or give it to her straight every day until it was gone. And so if the throwing up didn't quit within a couple of days, bring her back. Well, she's the anti-nausea medicine apparently worked because she didn't throw up for two days. Okay. And then and she's back to throwing up again. If we feed her soft food, it seems like she holds it down. But anytime okay. she gets to hold any of that hard food, it comes back up. Okay. Well, and are you feeding any particular diet? Um, normally, it's just. Purina cat chow indoor formula. Okay. And that's what she's always been fed. Well, I mean, we certainly can see some food intolerances or food sensitivities, if, if you will, and that could be to not only ingredients, um, different proteins or carbohydrates, but it could also be to the different um, preservatives in, in food. So while it is possible that your pet does better with canned food than versus a dry, I don't know if I'm going to completely kind of blame your situation on that. Um, and I guess I'd still be wondering whether or not there's something else going on. And in Kitties, vomiting is, i got to be honest, it's one of the most frustrating things that we veterinarians deal with because cats are just so silent about these things. And vomiting could be anything from a hairball that's building up in that stomach uh, to a liver problem, uh, to a foreign object that they ingest, uh, to parasites. So there's so many different gamuts of causes of that. And if uh, it's still continuing with the conservative care and uh, with what they've done so far, I guess my gut instinct next would be I'd probably get a couple things to, to help us make that decision where to go next. And that would be getting an x-ray and even a blood panel on your baby. Um, right. Now, food-wise, if she does well in the canned food and you're happy continuing that and she seems to be thriving, then I don't see a problem with that. But um, as far as my concern would be that we might just be finding something that kind of temporarily relieves some of the symptoms and but doesn't quite resolve it completely. Um, so that would be my suggestion here. And uh, as far as, you know, the other option is there's some very good diets that we can use for a pet that has a sensitive stomach or that has some kind of digestive upset. And they may be a temporary diet. Um, so you can always talk to your veterinarian about that if you're not on board for kind of looking into things. But, um, you know, I can tell you that, uh, you know, I know Hal and Judy, we've been through some issues as far as with your kitty, as far as with dealing with some vomiting issues. And it took a lot of work to kind of find the bottom of the problem. 
problem mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, the thing that bothers me most, I guess, is that she's, from the time she was a kid and she was an outside cat, she'll come inside to eat and use the bathroom. She won't go to the bathroom outside. You know, we've always tried to keep her in the house, but she refuses. I mean, and she's so fast, you open the door, she's gone. Mm, okay. Um, and so even the vet brought up, and I, I had thought that before I went to the vet, was that maybe she had got a hold of something outside, ate a bird or, or something. And, you know, but the vet, it, the reason I guess why I'm calling you guys is because the vet that I went to wasn't the normal person that day. It was a younger girl. And mm-hmm. I just kind of worried about the experience that uh-huh. she had. Uh, okay. Now, i got to say, I, I have kind of a youthful look about me, and I get it almost, well, maybe since I hit the big four zero, I don't get it all the time. But I used to get all the time where people would say, you're just too young to be a vet. And, you know, the, well, so, no, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been on I've been on the other side of that, and, and, and understand what you're getting at is that if you don't feel comfortable with the information you're getting, um, it is you know it's our job as um, pet caretakers to make sure we find the resources that we are comfortable with. So you know if that if you didn't just quite click with that person and you didn't feel comfortable, then you know maybe get a second opinion. But I would say here at my office, I tend to be a bit investigational. I like to, you know, if we don't find some improvement with this conservative therapy, I really would want to get some more ammunition here. What what, what do we need to be battling here? Um, you yeah. know, do we have something in there, like you had mentioned, you know, like a bird or a piece of a foreign object or something like that? Um, I, I'd want to make sure that we're not missing things there. So um, I would say, uh, yeah, let's go look in a little bit more. You'd be running all kinds of tests, wouldn't you, Doc? <laughs> now you make me sound like I'm kind of uh, some kind of nut there. No, <laughs> but no, <laughs> but definitely with a with a vomiting situation, some of the basics would be a fecal test, ah. a basic blood panel, mm-hmm. and then X-rays. Those would make good sense uh, to me for any kitty that would be having ongoing vomiting problems. So, so yeah. go back to the doc and get those tests if you haven't gotten them yet. Okay. Okay, yeah, I absolutely will. Okay, thanks for your call today. one 405 No, what I was just saying there, Doc, is that you're very <laughs> aggressive with your treatment, and that's why you're the animal radio vet. That's, that's why you're answering thing. listener questions. This is a good thing. That's all yes, I'm saying. Thank you. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Pet Playgrounds. They're the makers of the safest and most reliable real dog fencing system in the world. You see, dog trainers, veterinarians, and dog lovers highly recommend Pet Playgrounds because it's the best option to protect your dog. Use the code Animal Radio at checkout and you'll save 10%. And you can learn more over at PetPlaygrounds.com. The more you learn about your insurance coverage, the more gaps you might find. Like how you thought you were covered for this. Honey! When you're really only covered for this. Honey, someone stole my decoder ring. Oh, well, it was weird anyway. Or how with renter's insurance, you're covered for valuables, electronics, bikes, karaoke machines, waffle makers, superhero pajamas. And without it, you're covered for... Talk to a farmer's agent about what gaps might be hiding in your insurance. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. This is Glenn Close on Animal Radio, urging you to spay or neuter your pet. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio, we're going to hear from pet food safety advocate Susan Thixton and the truth about pet food, the crimes, the lies, the truth that you may think is a truth isn't a truth because the, the pet food companies will do almost anything to get your business. 
That's on the way right here in just a couple of minutes, right here on Animal Radio. Just a couple of days away from Wacky, four days away from Wacky Wednesday. <laughs> and uh, if you haven't uploaded your pictures yet, you might want to do it this week, because I'm telling you, big time prizes, the most likes, the most shares win every week over at our Facebook page. What do you have this week, Judy? Well, you know what? This week I have a really big package. A really big package. A really big package yes. from PL360. PL360? And it, yes, and it not only cleans your dogs, but you can clean their environment. What is it, a shampoo? No, Well, it's lots of stuff. They have grooming wipes, uh-huh. all-in-one shampoo and conditioner, mm-hmm. multi-surface cleaning wipes. Gotta love this that. This is for their home. And then multi-surface cleaning spray that you can clean their bedding, their toys, and stuff. So clean your dog, clean their environment, everything with PL360. It's a great package. A whole package there that could be yours for your awesome Wacky pet picture over at Facebook. Can I smell that, Judy? Yeah, here. <laughs> this is uh, actually some good stuff. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that smells so fresh. Mm. That is nice. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. It is. I got to incorporate this. We'll head back to the phones in just a couple of seconds. What are you working on over there, Lori? Well, there is yet more research out that confirms we pet owners are the happiest, the healthiest, and the wealthiest. And really? we'll tell you how we know that. Yeah. Well, I know I'm the happiest. I, I'm thinking that the I'm thinking that the best news would be if they would say that shelter pets would make us skinny, I think there would be a rush on shelter pets. Wouldn't that we're gonna have to figure out that link. We could start that rumor. Well, you know what? You actually work out more, you, you become more energetic, you're taking the animals for walks, and in turn you get skinnier. It is That's true. There is a link. Anyway. Yeah, there is. On the way in just a couple of minutes with Lori Brooks right here on Animal Radio. Hey Bob. How you doing? Good, how you doing? Uh, fat and sassy. Fat and sassy. I'll have to remember that. Write that one down. That's good. I like it. Fat and sassy. Where are you fat and sassy from today? Oh, here in California. In California. Okay. How can we help you? Well, i got a golden retriever. He's about not quite a month and a, a year and a half. Just almost a little under a year and a half. Okay. And he's, a couple times he's had problems with his backside. He, his tail would not, he wouldn't, he'd stop. If you moved it from side to side, it didn't bother him, but if you tried to lift it, it did. And we noticed that he was constipated. Huh, okay. So this happened one time, and evidently he cleared himself up because he came back in the house, and he, he went for two or three days like that, and then he was fine. He come back in, he's as happy as can be, and everything's fine. He did it again for two or three days, just recently, just this last week, and now he's fine again. And I don't know okay. if it's... What you know, if, if the tail being stiff and you know holding it down, but uh, tucking it between his legs and not moving it, if that's got something to do with constipation or not? Well, yeah, it certainly can, and anything that kind of goes on in the whole hindquarter area can definitely affect the the carriage of the tail, or basically how well that they hold it up and wag it and and uh, show off the especially a golden retriever those gorgeous uh, feathers that they have oh, yeah. um so you know when he was constipated were you con- were you pretty comfortable that you saw hard to pass poops or was he having diarrhea or no, tell me about the poops he was having a hard time passing it okay and then when it came out it was dry and oversized well my son said it was okay i mean he's he's 24 so you gotta know i mean he uh i wasn't home he called me and said you know he Finally went to the bathroom and, and it looked, I asked him if it looked good or you know, what it looked like. He said, well, it looked look like poop. 
Huh. Okay. Because typically, if I expect a pet to be constipated, you know, let's get serious about describing poop here on the air. Um, we're looking for, you know, constipated poop is usually dry, hard to pass, oversized. If we're not seeing that corresponding with when he was having troubles, it could be something else causing pain. So it may not necessarily be a constipation issue. So if we got pretty good confirmation and, you, you know, your son should know, everyone knows crap to some degree. <laughs> but yeah. if you're comfortable that he's described that and said, yeah, yeah, Dad, you know, this is really some unusual looking poop. It's dry. It's, it looked like, you know, he was having a hard time passing it. If not, then uh, we'd definitely go looking for other things. And uh, now, does your dog do much swimming? No, not, not right now. Uh, I've got to tell my dogs that because my dogs are in the pool, I swear, uh, you know, three times well, a day still. <laughs> well, you got that warm climate there going for you. Yeah, but we've got the pool covered up right now. And he, he plays in the mud uh, and everything. He, he's happy now. I mean, he ate good during the whole time. He just didn't get rid of it. And uh, uh-huh. he walked funny and he'd go out and he'd try to go and he'd strain and everything. He just couldn't do anything. But I was worried about it. You know, it's the second time it's happened to him. I don't know if it's something he yeah. ate in the yard or what. Yeah, in, in that inconsistent, the occasional trouble going to the bathroom, it's certainly possible, you know, that, you know, he acquired something that was more interesting than the typical dog food, and that could cause some havoc going through. And then I'd want to make sure that we're feeding just a consistent diet, and we're not switching things up, giving him table scraps or, you know, any kind of bones. Even a dog that, say, gets um, rawhide chews, nothing necessarily wrong with that. But we can see a pattern of inconsistent poops for many dogs that have uh, that ingest rawhides. It can cause the diarrhea and then it can kind of look like they're having trouble passing the, the subsequent poop so he, i would say uh he eats tree limbs and twigs ah, ah all right all he's fascinated with him he comes in there like toothpicks with him he comes in two <laughs> up on the floor oh gotta stop that i think he's a woodpecker yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, definitely. I mean, as far as a lot of these guys, they look for stuff to chew. And, you know, if he is ingesting things like that, um, tree limbs, uh, you know, your neighbor's uh, shrubs, what have you, then that definitely that can create some havoc going through. So you might want to work. My, my prescription for you might be to really super monitor his uh, intake and his output over a period of a week to two weeks. And during that time, watch him closely, make sure he doesn't have access to some of these different behaviors of chewing, and see what those poops are looking like. If everything's going good and we're comfortable that he's not getting into other things, then we may be comfortable to say, ah, that occasional problem is likely to eat in that bow off that tree or, um, you know, chewing something in the yard. Um, but yeah, definitely, I, I make light of it, but, you know, we don't want uh, to encourage that kind of chewing behavior because it just sets up for whole sets of digestive problems and foreign objects and all that wonderful stuff. She shouldn't be doing that. I've got a doggy door, and him and the other dog go out in and out a lot. He, he'll come in, he'll try to drag one through the door. You know, he'll have one four feet long sometimes. No. Yeah, that's not well. good for him. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for your call today, 1-866-405-8405. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Here's another Pet Playgrounds Minute. Well, you've heard us talking about Pet Playgrounds fences. They're the makers of the safest and most reliable real dog fencing system in the world. So it's a real fence. It's not an invisible, one of those wireless electric fences? No electricity involved here, so we're not zapping your dog or anything like that. So it's a real physical fence. Yeah, and if you have a dog that climbs or digs or chews, Pet Playgrounds real physical fence 
makes it so they can't climb over it, they can't dig underneath it, and they can't chew in a hole in it. And it's protection for any breed, even those big chewing breeds. And those little diggers, too. (laughs) We have one of those. Yes. We know how important it is that your pets get activity outside, especially if they're one of those dogs that needs a lot of activity. This fence can be installed virtually anywhere, by anyone, even me. I could even do it. But what if I have a hill and it's real rocky? It goes over any terrain, over rocks, trees, and roots, even uneven land. Learn more about Pet Playgrounds at PetPlaygrounds.com. Visit PetPlaygrounds.com. Yeah, PetPlaygrounds.com. Dogs need to run free. Our non-electric fence makes it easy. Your dog can't climb or dig or chew. It's perfect for your best friend and for you. Call us at 1-800-985-9202. Use Animal Radio Code at checkout to save 10% at PetPlaygrounds.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update. Brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy with prescription medications and over-the-counter products like Advantix Flea and Tick Medication delivered right to your door. Learn more at fosterandsmith.com. I'm Lori Brooks. Hey, there's more research out showing that having a cat or dog, yep, it makes you happier, richer, and healthier. Blue Cross Pet Charity has conducted a survey of pet owners and found that they tend to earn nearly $5,000 a year more than those who don't have a pet, and also pet owners are more likely to have a full-time job. Pet owners are also, they say, happier in general, spend more time with their families, and more likely to have a job that they enjoy. In fact, 10% more pet owners agreed they were definitely truly happy in their current job roles compared to non-pet owners. Researchers say they found pet owners are also more fit and healthy because we complete at least two hours more of exercise a week than those people who don't have a pet. There is a warning for pet owners now out there after a cat was found with its head stuck in a rodent trap, of all things. It happened in England, but pet owners everywhere are being asked to look out now because they say that these traps can also kill smaller pets like cats and tiny dogs. This cat, who was seriously injured in England, was caught in what's called a fen trap. It's meant for squirrels and rats, but luckily that cat was found and then rescued by a good Samaritan. Now, since the incident in England, Last month, the SBCA is now calling on people everywhere to be aware that setting these traps, like the fin trap, could be breaking laws. While it's not illegal if the traps kill rodents, they say if the trap kills a domestic animal, the owner could be prosecuted by police in some jurisdictions. Well, you can now spy on your napping cats or dogs from your smartphone in HD, no less. Nest recently announced an upgraded version of the DropCam wireless security camera. The Nest Cam is about 200 bucks, and it now has two-way communication. And I guess they say this communication is so good that you could literally yell at a burglar or even listen to your dog bark say at the TV that you probably leave on to keep him company. The camera also has a magnetic base, which gives you another option for mounting it. Maybe like, you know, you could put it on your refrigerator or your stove, which is great if you keep your pets in the kitchen, like a lot of people do while you're at work for the day. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. 
This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Drs. Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy. With everyday low prices on products like Quellin and Rimadil delivered right to your door with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Learn more at fosterandsmith.com. Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Supplies have a vet VIPPS accredited online pharmacy covering all your pet's needs from heartworm medications and anti-inflammatories like Remedil to non-prescription items like canine Advantix flea and tick preventive. Doctors Foster and Smith has your pet covered. We'll even contact your vet for you, all with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Low prices every day with free shipping on orders over $49. Shop online at fosterandsmith.com because your pet's health and happiness come first. And now, a touching moment while staying in touch with Geico. Just the other night, as I gazed up into the sky, I saw a shooting star. In that moment, I made a wish that Geico would be available 24-7 by phone, on the web, or with the Geico app. After that, I realized my wish had already come true. So basically, I had just wasted a perfectly good wish. Then I started to think about dolphins and felt better right away. Geico. Anywhere, anytime. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Animal Radio, and we're celebrating your connection with your pets toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Don't forget, you can also ask your questions of Dr. Debbie and Joey Villani directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. And it is a free download, thanks to those folks over at Drs. Fosters and Smith. And there's a lot more going on over at that app than you think. You should check it out now. I was amazed. It's pretty big. A lot of information, recalls, all the recall, the news that you need to know for your pets over there. I'm going to download it again after the show. I already have it, but it's so good, I'm just going to download it again. You get twice as much info, huh? We have, joining us on the phone, Susan Thixton. Hi, Susan. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me. Of course. Susan is the founder of the website truthaboutpetfood.com. She's also written a book called Buyer Beware, Crimes, Lies, and the Truth About Pet Food, and has a brand new book out called Dinner Pausable, which has some great recipes for homemade meals for your cats and dogs. We'll talk about that in just a couple of seconds here. But what I want to know, what are the crimes and lies that our pet food companies are telling us that we should be aware of as consumers when we go to the shelves and we see all these thousands of different brands of food? What lies should we take in mind at that time? The the label. You see images of um, the biggest to me is, is roasted chicken and grilled steak. You can literally see the grill marks on on the meat on the product label there is not one pet food out there whose meat is roasted or grilled before it is made so that is is actually a lie and uh, it is a violation of pet food regulations no one enforces it um, the the biggest is that these images on labels and actually the name pet food, Um, pet food is not regulated by food laws. It is regulated by feed laws, feed like in cattle feed Uh and chicken feed. And feed, since the main purpose of it is only to fatten the animal up as quickly as possible Mm -hmm. in preparation for slaughter for human food, feed ingredients don't have to be as quality as food ingredients. 
So the, the biggest thing your listeners can learn uh, is to call the manufacturer and ask if the pet food ingredients are the term they want to ask are human edible. Human grade? Is that it? Human well, edible or human, human grade? grade? They, they can, the manufacturers can kind of twist those words. So the FDA term is human edible. It is a close to $60 billion a year business. Over $21 billion of it goes to our pet food. So these companies, it's all about the money for them. Some bottom line, well, that's the bottom line of any business. And I've noticed in the last year at least four or five companies merge with other companies. So there's really just a handful of food companies making all of the food. Does that mean all of it's sourced from the same place, even though it might be a different brand? Uh, basically, yes. Yeah. You, you know, the chicken wow. buyers are are Tyson and Purdue and, you know, and you'd think, oh, that's a good thing. But, but with that feed quality ingredient, it's the leftover and rejected. So it, it's not, that's where you want it to be, human grade, human edible quality, um, because you don't want the leftovers. Can I just say human quality means nothing to me because I, I see some of that pink slime that they, they make meat out of. That, <laughs> human, yeah. And that's human quality. That's human well, grade. But, but honestly, human quality pink slime is is light years higher quality than pet grade. Mm-hmm. Pet grade can literally be rejected for use in human food, diseased animals. There's compliance policies, FDA compliance policies that literally allow, they they openly say that pet food is allowed to to source meats from diseased animals and animals which have died other than by slaughter. And that means in a cow that died out in the field. And it laid there for three days, and then the truck came and hauled it away, and that meat is legally allowed by FDA to be included in your pet food without consumer knowledge. Mm. What uh, You said the uh, FDA is not enforcing some of these things, like the, the pictures on the front of the labels, and that that's illegal, and they're not yes. enforcing. Why aren't they enforcing this, especially in light of several major recalls over the last couple of years? I, I wish I knew the answer to that question. I have I report these images to FDA every time I see a product with these labels. I just did this probably two months ago. We took a bunch of pictures at a pet food store and sent them all to the compliance division at FDA, and and they do nothing. The states are the same. States also, each state in the U.S. has um, regulatory authority over pet food, and I've reported it to them time and time again, and they just don't do it. Have we made any inroads? I know that there was talk about more regulation over pet food after the last recall. Have we made any inroads? From 2007 recall to now, there, nothing has changed regulatory-wise, absolutely nothing. That same disaster could happen again at any moment. You know, there's still, just as you said a few minutes ago, that... that there's just a handful of manufacturers in their manufacturing for other private label names. That's exactly as it was in 2007, and that's what caused this issue. Ingredients are still being sourced from China. Consumer is not told if ingredients are sourced from China on the product label. It's 
nothing has changed since 2007. Well, the labels now say made in the USA. Sure, they may be made in the USA, but they're still sourced <laughs> in China. So exactly. Trying to get yeah. around that. The book is called Dinner Pausable. I want to go ahead and give away five copies right now at one 405 8405 If you're not lucky enough to get on through, you can head on over to Amazon.com and check it out. Dinner Pausable, P-A-W-S-I-B-L-E. Thanks so much for joining us, Susan. Well, thank you for having me. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating our connection with our pets toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. We'll head back to the phones in just a couple of seconds to talk to you. Uh, but right now, another Lucy pet moment with Joey Herrick from the Lucy Pet Foundation. Hey, Joey, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you guys doing today? Awesome. You know, the, the commercial that you guys had during the Super Bowl is an impressionable commercial that uh, I don't think, it, out of all of the commercials this year, <laughs> this was on, the, of course, the Hallmark Channel, and it was the cats and the dogs playing football, a truly incredible commercial that you put together there. And you know what was very funny about it? Because we made most of the top 10 and top 20 Super Bowl commercial websites and like you said, we weren't on the Super Bowl. We were on Hallmark's Kitten Bowl, but we aired on Super Bowl Sunday on Hallmark's Kitten Bowl. And uh, the commercial picked up millions and millions of impressions all around the world. It actually, uh, you know, we made uh, the, the best uh, Super Bowl websites in, in Russia and France. And wow. it, was, it was pretty amazing the response we got from it, well, especially you... since not being on the Super Bowl. <laughs> tell, tell us about the animals that were in the commercial. Well, it uh, they were all rescues. It was a very interesting uh, project because I got this idea to do this commercial to bring awareness of the 80,000 dogs and cats a week, every week, that are euthanized. Wow. So I got the idea to, to uh, shoot a football commercial, get animals out of the shelters, and teach them to play football. And uh, during the commercial, which, uh, you know, if, if you're... Uh, listeners uh, uh, go to our website they can see it you know the stadium goes dark so the stadium is actually filled with dogs and cats watching other dogs and cats playing football and then then they all disappear which you know there was 80,000 of them in the stadium and uh, then they slowly disappear and that's a metaphor a metaphor for the yes. animals that, okay and uh, it was so much, it was unbelievably a fun project to do uh, the animals came out of the shelters. The star quarterback is a is a dog we named Jack, and I actually sent Brenda Barnett, who's the head of the uh, city of Los Angeles animal shelters, and I sent her a picture. I said, "I'm looking for this dog." So oh. she, she sent that picture to all the shelters, and so we started getting you know pictures of dogs coming in, and uh, we identified the ones we liked, and then we actually went to the shelters with a camera crew and a trainer and and Dr. Halligan, you yes. know, make sure they were healthy, and interviewed the uh, candidates for the commercial, and we found uh, a terrific dog uh, whose actual name was Nicole, but we renamed her Jack. <laughs> and uh, does short- Jack have a gender crisis? It. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Jack's okay with it. He's okay with it. Yes. Jack knows it's short for Jackie. But what's really great is once we identified that Jack is the dog we wanted, we worked with the trainer, and Jack had to learn all kinds of, uh, you know, to catch a ball. And, and Jack was not interested in food, so he wasn't uh, prey-driven. Yeah, wasn't food-driven. Yeah. He wasn't prey-driven. He didn't like to, Jack didn't like to chase balls. Or well, do how do anything. you train a dog that isn't uh, food-driven? <laughs> or play-driven. It, it was, 
Well, I tell you that the, when the when the trainer who was with us when we uh, went to the shelter, and uh, he go he goes, oh, great look. I said, yes, the right look that we want. And he started tossing a ball, and J- Jack just looked at the ball like, what is this? I don't know. I don't know what this is. And he was the trainer was very nervous that uh, because yes, it's hard to train a dog that doesn't doesn't like his toys doesn't like food you know and uh but but you know jack got to uh uh to learn and so jack was able to do to become the star quarterback of this uh commercial so it, it was terrific did he have to and appear what, with other cats in the commercial or did he shoot alone how did that work yes well no actually there was also a scene in in the commercial where there's a cat has to jump up to block the pass. So from the Siaka shelter here in Los Angeles, we found uh, uh, a cat who we named Ricky, and this ca- cat is so cool. He's here in our office. He's, he's the he's office cat. A great cat. Yeah. He he's the office cat, and we also got him a a, a girlfriend who's fixed, and uh, who's named Ethel. I, see, I just figured it out. Ricky, Ricky? Lucy, and Ethel. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. There's a, thi- there's a there's theme. There's a theme. Well, we are, we are the Lucy Pet Foundation. Of course, of course. And so we actually taught Ricky how to jump to, uh, to block the pass, and uh, we it was fun project to do. And you know, we started him with with on a table jumping from like one one foot. Uh, on a table, one table was two and a half feet. The other one was like three and a half feet. And so we started him jumping off. And then as he got that, we did it farther and farther. And then we, uh, you know, then we had to put his helmet on him and get him used to all that. And uh, he he was terrific. He he didn't wow. mind. How his do you train a cat? That is that is even <laughs> harder than than a dog. Well, the cat liked food and treats. Ah. So you know, we would have uh, uh, Ricky jump. So every time he jump, he'd get a spoonful of of food and so he was happy doing that and and he and he, and he did a great job you gotta you gotta ha- look at the commercial it's, if you go to lucypetfoundation.org it's right on the website and you can see this commercial and uh you know it's got millions and millions of views all around the the country and uh it, it was a a very meaningful commercial to do and what was really terrific with the commercial is because i i, I started you know the production of it, and we were having some issues. And I talked to a friend of mine, and he, I said, I need to get the the right, uh, you know, cameraman, the right director and producer for this commercial. And he said, Listen, let me talk to a friend of mine. He has a lot of animals. He loves cats and dogs. And let me see if you'd be interested. So, he calls me the next day and says, Listen, I talked to this guy, and he's very interested in meeting you. So I went to to meet him. He was just terrific. It, it, it's it's Sam, who does all the uh, effects for like The Walking Dead and all these TV shows. Oh yeah. So wow. so he 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 took over this commercial and shot it and and uh, does a lot of green screen stuff. So we shot the the, the dogs and a lot of the cats uh, individually, and then he had to layer it. He said that if he only had one computer, it would have taken. Uh, three years to do this commercial, but he used over a thousand computers and computers all around the world, and uh, they put all this thing together. But the animals actually did all the, uh, uh, you know, the catching of the balls and the running. They did all that, and then it got all put together. It's truly incredible, and the technology that that is used to make commercials these days. Once again, go check it out at LucyPetFoundation.org. Joey Herrick joining us. We'll check in with you again very soon. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk soon. Let's head back to the phones, toll-free, 1-866-405-8405 for your calls.
It's Animal Radio. We're celebrating the connection with your pets. We love your pets. You can call us toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. We are here for you on this 4th of July. Get ready for the fireworks tonight. Actually, Ladybug, the studio stunt dog, she hates fireworks. So I'll probably keep her inside and play some music real loud. Yeah, and so Most dogs do. Well, we have one cat that also freaks out. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he hides under the bed. He does not like them. What about your animals? Well, you know what? Mine used to be really chill with it. And then we had some neighbors set off some illegal fireworks over our house. And it really terrified them. So it's not just the sound, but it's also a lot of the 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 concussive force of some of the fireworks, as well as the flashing. So all of that combined can be really just terrifying for some animals. So um, I I can't say enough that you need to make sure your pets are secure. You keep them indoors. Make sure they have their identification on. And then, uh, like, for... For my dogs last year, I had to take them outside to go potty. And even that was just a disaster because of the sounds of the fireworks going off over our house. Wow. Um, so you really want to just plan ahead and make sure you've got your, your your little safe zone for your pet. Have music on in the house, television, um, even cover the blinds um, just so you don't they don't see that light coming in. So I do a lot of sound therapy. I've been working at it all year long. So this isn't something you focus on once a year. I uh, When they're sitting in my office at work i actually turn on firework sounds and then i turn on classical music on my iphone and so then i've got the combination of a calming sound kind of kind of the hiding over the uh the fireworks and i'm desensitizing them all year long to this wow that's very clever yeah. It's it's a long process, but you know one bad fearful event is so much harder to undo um, mm-hmm. than you know acclimating them to the sound of fireworks in a non threatening environment. So that's a great thing that pet owners can just like you get your dog used to a, um, a vacuum. Yeah, you should get them used to the sound of fireworks, and you can use electronic devices to help you with that. So great. you're supposed to get your dog used to the vacuum. Yes. When puppies and kittens are in that social time, oh, now you six tell to me. 16 weeks. Yes. So yeah, that's the, that's when you want to get them introduced to all these sounds and, and not in a scary uh, first exposure on 4th of July. Great advice coming from Dr. Debbie. If you have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, she also has some great advice in her Kindle book, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. We have links over at AnimalRadio.com. How would you like to talk to her right now and ask her your questions one-on-one, mano y mano? You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. I'm always happy to thank those that make Animal Radio possible. Underwriters like Stella and Chewy's, you know, pets thrive when they're fed the same food they'd get in the wild. And meal mixers are an easy and convenient way to add raw, nutrient-rich meat, wholesome fruits and vegetables, probiotics, and antioxidants to any diet. You can learn more at StellaandChewy's.com. And thanks, guys, for underwriting the Animal Radio. Uh, let's hit the phones. We have Alda. Is it Alda or Alda? Olga. Olga. Hi, Olga. O-L-G-A. Olga, how are you doing today? Where are you calling from? I'm calling from South Lake Tahoe, California. I love it up there. Absolutely beautiful. What's going on? Well, it's about my cat. It, uh, I rescued her from a shelter about a year ago, uh, and they were going to euthanize her because she uh, had a sick stomach. She uh, pooped everywhere in the complex, I guess, and uh, she was a hoarder cat. And the lady that uh, adopted her brought her back because she pooped on her bed and in her everywhere in her house. 
So mm. anyway, I rescued her. I couldn't see them doing that. Well, good for you. And because uh, uh, coyotes got my two previous calves, and it just broke my heart. But anyway, I volunteered, and that's how I found her. But anyway, she is, just within the last four days, she's like lethargic, or I don't know if I'm saying that right. Like lethargic. Lethargic. She hardly moves. She she's drinking water, a lot of water. She poops a little bit. She doesn't eat very much. She only weighs six and a half pounds, and that's how much she weighed when I got her. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know what to do with her. I'm scared to death. I I, I didn't sleep last night because I know she's going to pass away or something. I, she's okay. cold all the time, so I keep the heater uh, on for her, uh, you know, and um, I slept in the living room with her. Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't know what to do. She eats. Uh, she just she. I buy good food for her in the store, and then but she likes the 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 um. What do you call it? The extra, the little things that you give as a treat. She likes those better. Now, can I ask you, is she having any other symptoms like coughing, vomiting, any diarrhea? No, no, no. She, well, yes, when I got, she used to bleed uh, when she pooped all the time, and she sure Um, pooped. But now she's currently, though, I mean, as far as anything currently in the last week or two. No, in the last week, uh, no, well, she had a cold, a little cold a while back, but in the last week, all she, she keeps licking her mouth, and uh, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, blinking her eyes. And okay. um, I just thought, well, maybe she has a cold or symptoms of something like okay. that. Okay. So, Alda, can she can, can she stand up? Can she move around on oh, her yeah, own? She does, but she's doing it so slowly, and she doesn't sleep okay. in my bed the last four days. She comes in the living room and sleeps there. You know, maybe she's warmer there because I keep the heat on, a little mm-hmm. uh, heater I bought for her. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you, Alda, this is definitely a situation where um, I really recommend you taking this kitty to a veterinarian. Oh, um, yeah. The reason the reason is is because there can be so many things we could be missing if I start giving you suggestions on what you can do at home uh-huh. to help an ailing cat um, when there can be so much that a, a veterinarian can gain from a physical exam. And in many cases, that can help um, give us an idea of what direction we need to go um, as far as, you now you mentioned the licking of the mouth. Yeah. Sometimes cats will do that when they're nauseated. Sometimes they can do that when they have dental problems. And, and sometimes it can happen um, just with some other types of oral disease or, or ulcers that could even be going on. So as a veterinarian, I can tell you, just making that list of things that could be causing any one of those symptoms, I, I would really need to see your kitty. And that's a very, very important step in kind of deciding where we can go from there. And I understand that, you know, some folks may not say, oh, Dr. Debbie, you always want to run tests. And, you know, I do because <laughs> that's how we figure out some things. But really, the best value in veterinary medicine is that FaceTime, that physical exam with your veterinarian. So that would be the first thing I would start with. But if I have a kitty that especially comes from a kind of a rescue background that has these symptoms, I want to make sure that we talk about viral testing them because things like kitty leukemia and kitty AIDS can be kind of a slow-onset type problem, and they can definitely cause lethargy, problems with eating, respiratory infections, a lot of other things. So that would be something to think about and talk to your veterinarian about. Now, and then from there, depending on what they think or what they feel where we might be going, if we want to try some symptomatic therapy, um, some simple things we can try. Like um, for me, I will try just something as simple as uh, taking really stinky canned cat food. The fish flavors are kind of my favorite. And just kind of zapping that on the microwave on a low setting just to get a little 
steaming, get the odor going. And, and for cats that are having trouble eating, sometimes that helps kind of stimulate their appetite. And especially if they're congested or having a respiratory problem, they might not be smelling so good. So that can help them smell their food. This is wet uh, then, cat food. I've never fed her wet cat food, but is that what you're, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, I would say if your kitty is not eating anything for several days, that is, that's when we pull out the cat food in the canned cat food. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and some other simple things, you know, veterinarians will try when we try kind of what we call outpatient care for, um, not eating or dehydration. We might administer some subcutaneous fluids under the skin and do that either in the office setting or some folks can be trained to do that at home. So that can be a supportive step. Um, some other things, um, we do have appetite stimulants, um, one called mirtazapine I use a lot with cats. And uh, if they're eating, not eating from a variety of problems, kidney problems, um, other medical issues, we might try a medication like that, and it can help to stimulate the appetite of a kitty who's not feeling so well. Um, but even other simple things like dewormings, um, you know, pretty cheap, inexpensive, and simple to do. So if we have a cat that's just not thriving. And she's Those not are, functioning, oh. but just up till four days ago. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the important thing that I want you to know, any of our listeners, if a cat stops eating for three days, if they stop eating everything, they can go into liver failure. So it is very important we not delay when cats stop eating. I heard um, you so, say that. I've been listening yeah. to you. Yeah, and, and I, can, I can sense in your side that you're like, oh, I didn't want to have to do that. But, but I really, I, I have to be the advocate for your kitty. And, and if ever a kitty needed to see a vet, just to, so you know where you're at and what you can right. and can't do to try to nurse her along. And I think that's very important. And that will empower you, so what you, how you can better help her. All right, Dr. Debbie, I will I will these things down, and so I'll... Proceed. Thank you for your call, Olga. Well, there you go. Thank you so much, Marisa Finelli and Susan Fixton, for joining us today. Awesome information from you guys. You can learn more over at AnimalRadio.com and download the Animal Radio app now. It's a free download. Have yourself a very, very safe and happy 4th of July. Bye-bye. Bye. This is Animal Radio Network.